and welcome, fellow lighting nerds and friends, to The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast. My name is Lisa Bartlett. Thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate it. I got a lot of feedback on last week's episode about is the lighting industry in danger, Uh, and I'm going to share some of that with you today and some thoughts for action that uh, I thought were really interesting Um, Anyway, before we get into it, don't forget, uh, you can always support the podcast at patreon.com slash lightfiles, and I super appreciate that. You can also find me and the podcast on Instagram at lightfiles, at Lisa Light to Life, Um, also on Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the things. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I really appreciate all the support and feedback that we got from last week's episode, and I just want to dive right in. So a lot of people have a lot of opinions about, is our industry in danger? Um, But I think a lot of us do kind of ultimately agree on the core concept of what I was saying, that yes, there certainly are real dangers for the business that we love and the industry that we are in. And the pressures are coming from all different sides. There's pressures for showrooms. There's pressures for manufacturers. Um, We're all at risk here in some way, shape, or form. Um, I know a few showrooms would potentially like me to name more names uh, of manufacturers that are doing good uh, in terms of working with the showroom distribution channel and those that are doing not so good. Uh, In that, um, I just want to say here that I feel like this platform uh, isn't necessarily the right space for that. Um, I'm always happy to have conversations about who's doing well and who's not doing so well, but I think what I'd rather highlight are programs that are working for showrooms or policies that work for showrooms um, in a more positive light. Here's what's going on. Here's what I've seen in the industry that does, in fact, work. And then maybe other manufacturers can, um, you know, cobble together something or take bits and pieces from what I'm saying and other things that they've tried to come up with a like a really great plan that works for their showroom distribution. Um, so I don't really see that I need to say the negatives or whatever. I think if you've been in the industry any amount of time, you know what they are. Uh, I think we all have a pretty good idea of the group of manufacturers that really truly support independent lighting showrooms and maybe those that only give lip service to it. Um, so anyway, that's just my two cents on that. Um, okay. So I want to start with kind of a list of ideas that really help independent lighting showrooms do what they need to do and do it well. So these are, I'm not saying all of these things need to happen for every uh, distributor that wants to work through the independent lighting showroom channel now and forevermore, but it's just a list of ideas that I think uh, if you can cobble these together or take this one, that one, maybe tweak it for what works best for your company, I think a lot of these ideas really support our mutual growth from manufacturers, from the manufacturer reps to the showrooms. And that's what we're all looking for here, right? Is ways to mutually grow together. So if anybody has paid any attention to me and my ramblings about the industry (laughs) for any amount of time, my first 
issue right off the bat is always going to be restock fees. Um, for those of you that remember the uh, Showroom Coalition Facebook group, which uh, just kind of took off by accident, the whole reason I even started that group was because <laughs> I wanted to complain about restock fees. <laughs> um yeah, not my finest hour, maybe, but uh, it, it just, they are such a challenge. And look, I've spoken to enough manufacturers that I understand the challenges on y'all's end for getting product back too. I'm not, I'm not saying that like only showrooms feel this burden. I get that it's something that manufacturers and showrooms alike um, struggle with and have a lot of issues with dealing with. But my goodness, trying to explain a restock fee to a retail customer in today's times is just impossible. And um, one of uh, my quickly becoming good friends in the industry and very, very smart uh, uh, business people, um, Zell Duda out of um, Lighting and Bulbs Unlimited in Charlotte, she sent me this quick note and said, um, you know, in terms of, of restock fees, that Wayfair's return policy says you can return most items for a refund or store credit within 30 days, return shipping cost supply, and the item must be in its original condition and packaging to be accepted. Same as most of us lighting showrooms. Uh, Lumen has a similar policy. The cost of the return shipping will be deducted from the credit amount. In other words, you are responsible for the return shipping cost of any item you return. Note that a request to return items totaling more than $5,000 may incur restock fees, and we reserve the right to apply refunds in the form of a store credit. So, I mean, that should make us brick-and-mortar showrooms feel at least a little bit better. <laughs> um, I think the bigger issue, of course, is Amazon, who rarely charges fees, if any, to return most small, small parcel items. It's, um, yeah, they just have all the distribution in place. Um, I, as Elle mentioned, and I've done this in my store about having gift cards to offer in-store credit in order to waive restock fees. That's definitely something we've been doing um, for smaller returns. And I just think for all of us, transparency is really important here. But it is still, I'm trying to think of my own shopping experience other times when I have expected there to be a restock fee. Um, I can't think of too many industries or, you know, categories of products that I would buy from that I would expect a restock fee. Now, if I was like custom ordering a piece of furniture or something, I would actually expect that to be non-refundable. And, you know, that applies mostly in our industry. I don't know. It's hard to um, it's hard to think of other categories like ours. I know a lot of them have restock fees, but it it seems to be more okay. I don't know. There's something different about us, and so and I think maybe maybe it's the our general pricing as an industry. Like if you buy something that's a couple three hundred dollars, you expect to be able to return it. Um, if you're buying a Viking range for five thousand, seven thousand, ten thousand dollars, maybe you don't expect to be able to return something with a price tag that heavy. Um, it, I think it just goes back to this general lack of communication with the public at large about um, our industry and what we're doing and the value it brings to your home. And we've all been just trying to sell, 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 and make products more affordable. Um, but it does create this kind of wacky imbalance between what customers perceive of us and what the actual reality is on the ground. 
or in the business itself. So anyway, uh, Zell went on to say that they try to be very transparent so that customers understand that they aren't just doing this restock for the heck of it, uh, that the manufacturers charge the restock. So then it has it's passed along in turn. Again, I have the same policy in my own store. Um, and like their wording is due to the nature of logistics that we have set up with manufacturers, items that are not regular stock are subject to a restock fee up to 25%, depending on the brand. And that just covers restock fees and return to shipping charges to the manufa- manufacturer. Excuse me. Um, and that all rings true, I think, from what I hear from most of us in the industry. So I don't want to keep beating dead horse about the um, return shipping fees and restock, but it is just an ongoing thing. I would love it if there was a way, if you're at a certain level with a manufacturer and there, again, this program does exist. I have it with a few of my manufacturers that if you're purchasing at a certain level and it is brand new in the box, uh, within 30 days, you can return it for no restock fee. The LSA initiative we put together has this exact, uh, uh, exact, wording in our program. So the manufacturers that are part of the LSA initiative, which if you're a member of the Lighting Showroom Association, you get, um, and it's super beneficial, you get uh, no restock fees with the manufacturers that are part of the LSA initiative. So that's all amazing and good things. Anyway, so remove restock fees for whatever level, you know, set your terms accordingly. Um, I would love to see an industry IMAP reverting more to increase, <laughs> reverting to what it used to be <laughs> when I first started and the internet first came up, uh, on um, to around 2-2 instead of the kind of industry standard of 2-0 right now. Uh, of course, IMAP policies are only useful if they're enforced and they just have to be enforced. I know it's expensive. I know it's hard to keep up with all of the 500 different ways that people try to work around them. I totally get it. I know it's I know it's a big challenge, but uh, enforcement of IMAPs and having a higher IMAP would go a long way to really helping showrooms have a better, successful, thriving future because our margins will be able to offer the discounts that customers and designers and everybody expects without having basically no profit, um, which is sometimes the case we get into now with IMAPs being where they are. Shipping frequency, I think this is kind of a no-brainer for us. Uh, You know, uh, back to Amazon again, when the expectation has been set by Amazon that you can order today, have something arrive same day, next day, two days, no freight charges for that. And we all know we, everyone listening to this podcast knows how truly expensive freight charges are and how, you know, second day shipping is, is not like the cheapest thing on the face of the earth. So, but Amazon set this expectation in the world. It's going to be really hard for us to combat it. You know, we, we, you know, the, the ship has sailed, the, the horse is out of the barn. So now it's on us to be able to ship frequently, daily, have you know even if they're small orders get them turned out quick um so that even if it takes you know orders placed today ships tomorrow even if ground shipping is still three to five days to a customer just to be able to provide them with that tracking number right away so that they know their products on the way to them is so so critical so shipping frequently goes on the list and then um 
talking about selling direct to designers and how we can work with designers and uh, manufacturers can maybe continue to work direct with designers, but also not like just cutting showrooms out of it. First of all, I just want to kind of gently argue that maybe selling direct to designers isn't building a bigger sales universe that maybe it's just diluting distribution, like taking people that would have shopped here and and just converting their dollars there, but you're not really increasing the total dollars. You're just sort of diluting the distribution. I don't know. I personally need to think through that more and get a little more educated. But at first glance, I it, it just appears that we're diluting distribution rather than increasing. But I really would love to hear some more thoughts on that and about how um, maybe that's not necessarily the case uh, or how we can combat that dilution by doing new, better, different programs in lighting showrooms so that there isn't that compulsion to want to sell direct to designers. So anyway, but so maybe to, to make things a little more fair, if we are going to sell direct to designers, is that designers are required to have a minimum opening order of X amount. And then like set by the, and the X amount would be set by the sales agent, the rep. But then that opening order could be no less than dollar amount Y, which is set by the manufacturer itself. So say maybe the uh, manufacturer says you have to have an opening order designer of uh, $5,000, um, but then the sales rep says it has to be $7,500, whatever it would be, something like that, where, where there is definitely a decent bar to reach and it's not just somebody buying one-off fixtures for their home um, or friends, but not really doing that much. And and also with that is that there should be a yearly minimum order amount for designers to maintain an open account. Um, just similar to how it is for a lot of us lighting showrooms to maintain an account. Several of the brands that I purchase from require a minimum sales level for me to stay on their best pricing or their stocking pricing. Um, I believe designers should also have to have minimum order requirements in order to maintain their open account status with any given manufacturer. Um, designers should never have free freight allowed. Designers should always have their orders be plus freight. Um, I just, I that makes sense to me. Um, designers generally are shipping to like warehouses that they're staging this product, or um, I think a lot of times things are going directly to homes or offices, um, not like a showrooms that generally have warehousing and we're set up to, you know, offload freight lines, you know, accept UPS, you know, small parcel deliveries in and out all day long. So anyway, I think those are some really good ideas about how we can find ways to move forward together and protect our industry. You know, <laughs> sorry for being a little off kilter here. I can totally feel it in my voice. <laughs> Those of you that follow me on uh, social media know that I had quite the week this week. I'm actually recording this on um, Saturday, June 12th. Uh, it'll go up on Tuesday, June 15th. But on the t on June 10th at my house, we had a pretty like significant storm event <laughs> with a tornado. It was a whole thing. Um, everything's fine, just some property damage. But 
just wildly unexpected. And it's just kind of, uh, you know how it goes, like we're all human beings. <laughs> uh, and some things just will throw you off your game for a bit. So I'm, I'm not as on my game. I can hear it in my voice. So just bear with me. I still think all of these points are really, really valid, um, really important. There is a challenge in our industry from all of the things I talked about in last week's episode, all of these potential solutions I just suggested, uh, ways that we can move forward, do better together. Like it, I, I said, like the time is now to act. And I didn't mean to be like doomsday, like something's, uh, you know, the bottom is about to fall out of my own business. I just think that implementing these programs and these changes is going to take time. It's going to take meetings on the manufacturer's behalf. They've got to put programs together. They've got to really think through this whole list of ideas. Can What can we do about restock? Can we raise the IMAP? Are we monitoring our IMAP efficiently? Is there ways that we can ship more frequently? Uh, are we really doing a good service to our industry partners by selling direct to designers um, if we need to keep the direct-to-designer channel open, how can we make that a more stable relationship with our mini, uh, with our showrooms so that showrooms don't feel like we're just diluting distribution and not assisting them and not working together with them? Like, I feel like these are going to be long internal conversations that need to happen, and I don't expect a timeline to be real quick on this. I would love it, of course, if everybody went to market <laughs> in, you know, a week and said, okay, we've made this, this, and this change based on, you know, the feedback we've gotten. I think that would be delightful and just the most wonderful news I'd ever heard. But uh, but I don't expect it. So I want us to start having these conversations. I want us to start rolling out these programs. I would love to see some manufacturers, um, additional manufacturers, let me rephrase, doing these things so that, you know, they can be test driven in the marketplace and see how they're working. And then maybe other people can adopt or we can tweak. But that's why I said the time is now to really do this, because I really feel like we've got another maybe year before this, all of these changes need to be implemented and active in our industry. And we can keep growing and being moving forward and being successful. I think it's a little hard to see the forest for the trees right now because so many of our sales in this industry since, you know, the pandemic started have been wildly higher than we ever would have thought. <laughs> like, I think we're all having much, the last 18 months have been much better than any of us ever could have predicted um, with everything that's been going on in the world. Who would have thought? But um, so we'll take that blessing. But I also don't want to lose sight of the bigger picture. The boom is probably not going to last forever. There will be life at the end of this when things settle back down and, and, and the home furnishings industry isn't booming the way it is right now. And we need to be prepared for that. And we need to be prepared for that together. So that's why I say the time is now. Let's get these place, pieces in place now so that when, when the times aren't quite as booming, when they revert back to kind of more how it was, uh, you know, a couple years ago, which is kind of what I expect. I'll be interested to hear what y'all think. But so that when we do that, showrooms aren't like suddenly left in a bad spot. Like we need to work now to be increasing our margins and having better relationships and figuring out successful programs. Just think um, by the time we talk all these through and do some test runs and all of that, like it just need, we need to start working on it now. I just firmly believe it. 
So anyway, uh, that's my two cents for today. Again, sorry if I was a little off kilter today, but um, hopefully you heard the ideas uh, and we'll talk about them more in person uh, starting, uh, well, I'll be in Dallas starting June 22nd and I can't wait for that. Um, Really looking forward to your feedback. Again, I just think even this list of things, I'm going to run through them. Restock, IMAP, shipping frequently, enforcing the IMAP, designer required minimum orders, designer required yearly minimum orders, designers never getting free freight allowed, stopping the dis- uh, uh, the dilution of distribution. <laughs> that was a tongue twister for me. Um, <laughs> I think these are all really key things that we need to focus on. There's a lot of positive here. There's a lot of great things that we can work towards together as an industry. And I can't wait for that to happen. I think it's great. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Everyone have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you next time.